Hello, friends. There's lots of interesting things coming up in the Stoic Coffee community, so make sure that you sign up for my newsletter on my website at stoic.coffee. You can also follow me on Twitter at stoiccoffee and on Instagram at stoic.coffee, and you can find my LinkedIn page by searching for Stoic Coffee Break on LinkedIn. Now, I also wanted to let you know that I'm starting a mastermind for tech entrepreneurs as the world of tech is accelerating, and I've had people reaching out to me for a group grounded in Stoic principles. I'll be your facilitator as we tackle some of the big questions in tech using the tools of Stoicism. I have a few spots left for senior tech entrepreneurs and decision makers to join me for a one-hour bi-weekly session. I'll be interviewing candidates to form a tight group for the first cohort of five people, plus myself. Now, if you're interested in joining this, please reach out to me at masterminds at stoic.coffee. Now, again, that's masterminds at stoic.coffee. Thanks again, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I appreciate your support. My name is Eric Cloward, and welcome to the Stoic Coffee Break. The Stoic Coffee Break is a weekly podcast where I take an aspect of Stoicism and dig a little bit deeper, try and suss out the most important elements. I share both my successes and my failures, and hope that you can learn something from my experience and make your life just a little bit better, all within the space of a coffee break. This week's episode is called No Self. Do you think of yourself as a self? What if we had no part of us that was an enduring self? How would that change how you acted in the world? Today, I want to talk about the idea of how we might view the world and how different that would be if there was no self. It is not so much what happens to you as how you think about what happens. Epictetus. Your happiness depends on three things, all of which are within your power. Your will, your ideas concerning the events in which you are involved, and the use you make of your ideas. Epictetus. How do you think about yourself? Meaning, when you refer to the I that is you, what do you think of? I know for me, and a good number of people, we think of this I, the me part of us, as our core, as the pilot of our bodies and our consciousness. This is the I that is referred to as the ego, and we consider it a core part of our identity. Now, the reason I'm talking about this idea today is that earlier this week, I stumbled on an article, which I will link to in the show notes, that claims that the self, as most of us think about it, doesn't exist. Now, at first, I was skeptical, but as you well know, I'm always curious to take on other perspectives and see if there's something useful that I I can add to my worldview. The author, Chris Nybauer, is a neuropsychologist, and he does a pretty good job of convincing me that there might not be a self in the way that we know it. So when we think of the I... We think of it as a pilot that navigates us through the world, and this is pretty consistent with the Western view that most of us have. But the Eastern view, in traditions such as Buddhism and Taoism and others, they hold the idea that there is no self and that the thing that we think of as the I or the ego doesn't actually exist, that the self is just an illusion, and that the self is a phenomenon that happens because of the process of thinking. Basically, without thinking, the self doesn't exist. Now, I think the best line in the whole article is when he says, the self is more like a verb than a noun, meaning that unless the mind is thinking, there is no self. So, in that way, the self would be a process and only exists when thoughts are happening. Now, as a side note, 
the idea occurred to me that this might explain why we have about 60,000 thoughts in a single day. I think this could be the, the way that the mind is in a constant cycle of reinforcing the self. Neibauer also points out that neuroscience has made tremendous progress in the last few decades as far as mapping out what parts of the brain handle which tasks. We know where the language centers are, we know which areas of the brain handle recognizing faces or the emotions of others, but there's no place in the brain where the self or this idea of the self actually resides. So Neibauer also talks about how in different experiments and incidents that have happened throughout the last century, they've taught us a lot about how the brain is creating our sense of self on the fly, and that is not something that is permanent and fixed. Where they made some real progress in this area was working with patients who suffered from severe epilepsy. Now, these patients would have the corpus callosum, which is the communication layer between the two hemispheres of the brain, was severed. So now they live with what is called a split brain. And in doing so, the patients no longer suffered from these debilitating seizures, but their hemispheres no longer communicated properly. And this allowed science to perform some really fascinating experiments. They would give instructions to the right side of the brain by showing them cards with instructions to just one eye. The right brain is the acting portion, and so when they would show the cards with actions such as stand or laugh, the patient would stand or laugh. But then when they would ask why they stood or laughed, the left brain, which is the interpreter and would interpret audio signals, would try to answer the question. Since the left brain had no knowledge of the original information that came to the right side of the brain, it would try to explain things by using what information it did have and would make something up in an effort to make sense of what was going on. You have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. Marcus Aurelius So what exactly does this mean? Well, according to the author, it means that there is no single self or pilot that is in control of us. The left hemisphere is constantly interpreting what it thinks is going on and gives meaning to it on the fly, which guides our actions. This interpreting process is what tells us in real time what we like or don't like, or if somebody is angry or sad. In other words, unless this interpreter is giving meaning to something, there is no self that is acting or piloting us. The other part that was interesting to me is that the left brain was wrong, but was convinced that it was right. Even those of us with normal brains will try to make sense out of what we are experiencing and come up with an explanation. We hold on to that explanation and believe it to be correct, but we can see through those experiments that this is just a perspective and not necessarily the truth. Now, for me as a software developer, this idea of the self being a combination of thinking processes is pretty easy to imagine. When you work with code in most modern languages, a program is not just some big monolithic file of code. It is usually built using different modules that handle different aspects of what the application needs. There's a UI library which handles the visual elements and the user interactions, such as pushing a button or clicking a checkbox. Then there are modules that help you make calls to external databases. And each of these are combined and stitched together to create an application. There is no application unless all of these elements are working together and doing the things that they were designed to. Now, this also reminds me of how scientists have discovered memories work in the human mind. We know, for example, that memories are not something that are just held in our minds like video stored on a hard drive. Our brains actually recreate our memories on the fly each time we recall them. So each time we remember an event, we are not watching something that is fixed or the original event, but we are creating something that is always slightly different. It's like our brain has the basic story and tries to fill it in. 
This is why when people are asked about things in the past, at various times, they may remember things that are generally the same, but over time they begin to change into something that isn't really all that close to the original event. I think, therefore I am, who I think I am. Two new two. There are two of the most immediate useful thoughts you will dip into. First, that things cannot touch the mind. They are external and inert. Anxieties can only come from your internal judgment. Second, that all of these things you see will change almost as you look at them, and then will be no more. Constantly bring to mind all that you yourself have already seen changed. The universe has changed. Life is perspective. Marcus Aurelius So, why is this idea important? Why should we worry about whether there is truly a self or not? Well, for me, I see it as an interesting way to think of the mind. It shows that the Stoics were quite ahead of their time. If the self is really just a construct of our thinking, and that, according to the Stoics, our thinking is one of the things that we have control over, then we have a lot more control over who we are as a person than we thought we had. In this view, the self is not just some static, unchanging entity sitting somewhere in our brain. We are a unique combination of ever-changing thought processes and sensory inputs coming together at a specific moment in time. How we feel and think at any given moment in time is a combination of all of those elements, and therefore who we are is in a constant state of change. If we look at the self as a product of thinking, then who we think we are and how we think about ourselves is also very important. Our self-image, who we imagine ourselves to be, is something that is up to us. It is not a static thing. It is something that is always changing and is more malleable than we like to think. I think this is why we are often easily swayed by the opinions of others. If our self is a product of our thinking, and if we let others have too much influence over how we think, they can influence how we think and thereby change who we think we are. The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Marcus Aurelius because we are in a constant state of change and the self is always in flux, it is important that we have tools to help us on a daily basis. Because the self is not just a static, fixed thing, we can't just do something once and expect it to be a lasting change. It is something that needs constant attention. And this is why mindfulness, practices, rituals, and habits that help us to think better are so important for us to implement. By thinking better, we become a better person. We create a better self. The habits that we develop are thought patterns that have become ingrained into a part of us to the point where they are almost automatic. Therefore, our habits are just a part of ourself as well. We are what we repeatedly do, which is why when we are able to understand the deeper thought patterns that drive our bad habits, it makes it easier to change them. Just trying to change a habit without understanding it is possible, but you are much more likely to succeed if you understand why you have that habit. If we think of the self as thought, then meditation is an important way for us to get to know ourselves. If you are unaware of the thoughts that you have each and every day, then it's really hard to know who you are. Therefore, a daily meditation practice allows us to know what we think. The more we know what we think, the more we can understand what makes us who we are. And as always, I'm going to recommend journaling as another way to get to know ourselves. If we hold this view that the self is nothing but thinking, then recording our thoughts is another way that we get to know ourselves. So these podcast episodes that I create are often an outgrowth of me just sitting down and writing about what I'm thinking in an effort to understand myself better. 
I'm also a strong proponent that clear writing leads to clear thinking. So the more time you spend writing and organizing your thoughts on the page, the better your thinking and the better self that you create. The idea that there is no real self and that we are just simply a product of our thinking is a fascinating perspective. Just as with other theories of consciousness, it's hard to say whether it is correct, but for me, I think it is certainly a useful model. If our self is created by our thinking, then we have the opportunity to choose who we want to be, and by improving our thinking, we improve our self. And that's the end of this week's Stoic Coffee Break. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and thanks for listening.